stage. Snap photos from the pit. Documented musical stories. Thrashed in the crowd. And raged from the back. We are South Sisters! Welcome to another episode of the Sound Sister Podcast. I'm your host, Drea Doll, a.k.a. Drewow. And I'm here with my lovely ladies. Say hello, ladies. Hey, it's Angela Rose Red. Gabby Chaos. On this episode, we're going to be talking to Chris Sherry, an artist who's drawn, painted, and created portraits of the Ramones, Henry Rollins, Prince, Rancid, The Clash, Our Girls, Bad Cop, Bad Cop, and the list goes on. We're going to ask Chris about how he got into his art, what it's like being a teacher. He used to be a skater. He also used to sing for a punk band, so we're going to ask him what it was like being a punk in the late 80s and how he connected with the infamous, I don't know, maybe you guys have heard of him, Descendants. What? I know. Right? <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> Those guys? Never heard and of them. No. And all. <laughs> and all. No, all. No. Yeah. All. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and do it around the table. Angela, what's going on with you? Ah, well, last night, guys. I... <laughs> 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 that's right. what's going on guys Maybe sure <laughs> keep it in it's great it's great oh fucking a well that's how it's going guys no but uh, <laughs> no last night i <laughs> i went i can't i went to a, a metal show last night which is like my first metal show in a really long time oh it was great actually no, no it, it was, was good. actually good it got me back to my hessian metal roots right. from high it was school like you were in high school yeah dude you know it was it was kind of crazy um with your metal lunchbox yeah i, I, <laughs> I uh, opted out of the metal lunchbox this time you didn't take it with you <laughs> no i didn't take it with me i had my camera gear with me yeah. i um it was my first show that i was shooting with this uh publication which i'm really excited about um i'm not going to reveal the name of the publication because it's kind of on a trial basis so uh stay tuned maybe they like me maybe they won't and if they don't like me then we're just gonna forget this happened <laughs> um but no it was it was pretty cool it was at the valley bar which that okay. was in in for a metal show yeah huh. it was it was interesting because like it never freaking rains here right and it's like this huge Haboob going on. <laughs> For all those of you that are outside of Arizona, haboob is a real thing. Okay. It's nothing randy, nothing racy. It's an actual huge yeah. microburst type of a uh, monsoon yeah. um, shower, shall I say. Rain, yeah. rainstorm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the so, red. <laughs> now that we're all briefed in on what that means, um, <laughs> no, but um, it was kind of crazy because I'm like, well, I guess this is kind of fitting, you know, for a metal show. And, you know, I, I get in there and it was pretty it was pretty cool. Like it was interesting just to kind of like be going to a show that's like not your regular scene and then also just kind of be there and uh, take chances as far as the type of like photo angles and just kind of get creative with it. Because unlike punk shows, like everyone's just like in their own trance like state, man, they're just like very aware of their, hmm. you know, surroundings. I'm like punk show, so I don't have to like elbow people as I'm photographing. Not saying that I hate that because I personally find it a lot of fun too. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Um, the the music uh, the bands that were playing was Sorks. Though I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, 
their local to AZ, uh, Vampire and Spotlights headlined. What was interesting about Spotlights is Mm -hmm. I did meet the bassist, and she said to me, you know, hey, no flash photography, that kind of thing. She was super nice about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, it's a small venue. I totally get it. But um, when they came out, like, I really understood why they wanted it. Yeah. It, was, it was big to their stage performance. Uh-oh. So thus the name Spotlights. They had these <laughs> huge cabs and stuff that had these, like, blue lights. And so it was really dark. And it was, and as I've been editing photos today, you know, I usually do like some color, some black and white. I kind of mix it up. But this one, I'm like, no, it's the spotlights. It's <laughs> yeah. the blue fields, man. Like it really added a lot of ambiance and feel to like the hmm. whole overall show. Yeah. And then I was like, bobbing my head, like in a trance like state. You would have thought that, you know, I mean, you know, going to metal shows for the past 10 years, but really it's been that long probably since I've been to an official one outside of wow. like attending at one <laughs> but yeah no long story even longer it was pretty cool so um yeah i'm submitting those photos and that's kind of nerve-wracking you know the whole submission process yeah, you know because you never know yeah or, or sometimes they don't even tell you and then you'll see it months yeah. later like oh or okay. not and then you're like cool hmm, awkward <laughs> just kidding ma didn't yeah. get that gig yeah, at least you, at least you took the chance and did it so. yeah. yeah no i mean i think i think it'll be cool you know i have to do my write-up and the photos and everything but yeah. it was interesting that's awesome yeah cool, cool man gabby what's up i've got a lot going on apparently uh i just got my certificate in the mail for my music business degree which, so exciting! Which took ten years, bow, bow, bow. but I fucking did it. You fucking ten did years, it, but so I did it. Bow, bow, bow. So, yeah. meow, meow. <laughs> Congrats, sister! That Thank is you. awesome. Now it's on my wall, framed. I mean, that's what you do it for, right? Yeah, to yeah. get the to totally. fr- frame it. To get that, I mean, I already printed it out for myself and framed it for yeah. me, so I can pass off. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Let's put your name over it. Seriously, I'm like, cool. I'll be Gabby. Hell yeah. You know. And then uh, apparently, I've been dealing with like some catfish kind of thing going on. Oh man. man! Everyone at work's been like, so I heard you get catfished. I'm like, Aww. apparently. So without naming names, because we don't want to you know bully anyone and put anyone on blast but let's talk a little bit about the sitch what's the situation so Susie from turbulent hearts is that how you say the name of the band yeah ex civet uh apparently this guy's been obsessed with her for like the last 10 years 10 fucking years 10 years following her on media social media and all that but apparently she he likes to befriend chicks and bands and then apparently he takes their pictures and communicates to other people saying that he knows those bands personally, like saying that they're their daughters or they're related to him. And then he tells them to not contact them because they're in rehab. It's so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it is so fucked up. Like, oh, man. And apparently somehow like Susie's posted this post about it right. and i'm like oh because he's inappropriate cause he's fucking creepy and like i kind of had that yeah. vibe from him so mm-hmm. i deleted him and then later on she's posting like uh screenshots from people sending to her and then one of them was my fucking picture and she didn't even know it was me oh yeah because it was for you as a little gab yeah yeah. Little gab, gab. yeah it's like oh this is Susie at 16 and like my picture when I had green hair and, like, no tattoos. and So that was kind of creepy. I'm still processing it. I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. 
That's so, so messed up. Do you think that's yeah. like a form of flattery though? Like you're yeah, kind, you've like, kind of made it yeah. at that point. Like guys, <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Yeah, like, I'm like, like cool. Like, <laughs> extra promo, but it's still like creepy. Yeah, um, you're that but, good that you're in someone's like imaginary. It's weird though. Like yeah. what it else is, is weird. he saying to people about us? Yeah, yeah, well, he's telling other artists that they're like druggies and like on rehab. Yeah, like, well, what is, true. you know, and said person like did reach out and like just messaged me out of the blue and was like, hi, how are you? I'm like, I'm good, how are you? He's like, <laughs> that's just me? Like, I don't know, I don't want to assume like, bad intentions. are you? <laughs> you know, like, just accepting people through all the different projects we do and I'm like, oh, like, yeah. new friends, yeah. you know? I'm like, whatevs, you know? Yeah, I don't, I, yeah. a big pet peeve for me is yeah. like when people say hi to someone and they immediately think, oh, they're hitting on me or oh, what's no, your like, damage? I'll, I'll reach like, out. I mean, I right. did to the point that no, it was like did, obsessive but... and I'm just like, all okay, right, dude, I need to back up. There was a line that he crossed or sending me like memes of myself to me like just weird shit or right like right. but i've done that to you well i know but it's coming <laughs> from like this older dude Do that, that i don't know that's yeah. your band oh. other half right, right. Your yeah musician, like or like making my i have pi- memed her though yeah i mean we've i've memed, <laughs> I have memed you too <laughs> you bitches have memed me too i'm pretty yeah. sure <laughs> and then the last one he made my profile picture his so that was Kind of I mean, weird. it's flattering, but, like, why? Lines have been crossed. Right, right. right. It's like, all right, we're done here. Well, and it's kind of, you know, as an expert, meaning I've watched many seasons of Catfish. Or same here. I, I love that show. I know I do, too. Yeah. But, I mean, there's something deep down inside going on with this person it, it, probably like maybe right. he's a little messed in that i guess even though it's creepy and uncalled for why is there a part of me that stills like oh because you know like whitney houston the bodyguard <laughs> when the, she had the stalker like no right and, uh... <laughs> so you're, so you're oh. saying don't take the candy no don't, bitch. Man. <laughs> but it's like everyone i've talked to and messaged me like they've had conversations with this I person to, yeah. and it's like yeah. he's just delusional on shit i've talked to him and as it's well like dude what the fuck like, i just hope like yeah you call him out like what's saved. up bro? oh hell yeah i rolled he up on him yeah. like what's your deal dude dude i was i was so i had never been like that's my bitch as much as i did and it had nothing to do with me yeah. i just saw this like i get this in our little forum that we talked to on the minute I should say, not even on the daily. We talk all the time. But she just sent a screenshot like, hey, this is what I said. And what did it say on there? What was your conversation? The first, the first line was, what's your deal, dude? <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing to lead up to that. I'm prefacing. No, there was no, no, no lead up. No. It wasn't like, hey, how's it going? I was like, what's, what's your, your deal, deal? dude? <laughs> <laughs> and he's, like, he's all, guaranteed he probably made this noise. Aroo? Yeah, I felt it through. I felt it through the DM. I felt that noise through the DM. No, it said, "What's your deal, dude?" I'm seeing screenshots from other women claiming uh, you're sending pictures of my bass player claiming it's Susie Carmichael. I was like, "What did I tell him?" I was like, "That's disgusting. It's creepy, and that's not not cool, dude." Right? Not cool. Not cool. Not cool. And he's like, he said, "I I've never sent or I never said Gabby." Or something like I never was, sent a picture and said it yeah. was. Some, it's like, dude, you got a fucking screenshot. Like. And I'm like, yeah. I said, hmm, weird. And I sent the screenshot, <laughs> <laughs> and then he blocked me. <laughs> he blocked me. So I didn't even get he's to like. All I didn't keep, he's all bad bitch. Yeah, he bad bitched me. Like I didn't even get to and finish what like, I was gonna fuck, say. Man. Yeah. So he knows. Know. He knows he's wrong. 
But yeah. I do have to say, guys, yeah. there goes all of our shares on our social media page. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm a terrible person. That's, that's true. That's terrible. <laughs> but I have to. No, but I'm mm. such a terrible person. No, but in all um, in all fairness, like, no bullying here. Like, we, I just, I just hope that said person. Just don't fucking do that shit, man. Yeah, I just, like, I yeah. just hope said you person know. finds their inner peace that they need to so they can, you yeah. know, live a healthy lifestyle. Don't try to fuck. It's true to he's them. He's trying to lure women. It's, yeah, that's like, that's also, yeah. that's, that's, also that's the weird. fucked up that's part. Fucked like up he's part, using yeah. our images to lure women that like he fuck. It still makes me mad. It is. Yeah. It's fucked a little up. okay. You know, don't fucking do that shit. Now I'm angry. Yeah. And I'm apparently, like, like someone posted on that thread. Um, I guess he deleted all the images from like other artists that he had up because I. It, it, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you because I got blocked. Yeah. Someone screenshot it, but oh, I Oh, and by check. the way, if you want to do some creeping on someone in a non-creeper, creeper way, be sure to do that before you block, because yeah. I didn't do that. And I was like, yeah. wait, I blocked him already. <laughs> What's going on? I mean, I'm just so loyal that when I hear something is going yeah. down with my sister here, I'm like, block, block. immediately done. Right. You're dead to me. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's been going on. Um, yeah, what, right. about you, <laughs> what, what about you, Dre? What about you, Dre? On that note, um, what's going on with me? Let's see, we played in Pomona and San Diego this past weekend. We had some really great shows. You didn't die. I did not die on this tour, however. The resurrection tour. <sighs> Fuck, dude. Um, I did not die on this tour, however, there was a casualty in the midst of the tour. I don't know if I told you this, but... Um, no. My guitar fell over and the headstock right. fucking cracked, yeah. and it We're was so probably sad. like the most depressing moment of my oh, life. Yeah, sad. that picture I took, I you like, can feel like but... your sadness. A yeah. part of you died. Well, yeah. you were fucking laughing too, and I was like, I was all pissed. I'm like, don't laugh. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I told her, I was like, why are you laughing? I was like, laughing at the funny pain. So pissed, but and I can just oh. imagine Cassie's probably like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Ash is like, Cass is packing up. I'm fucking. Let's go get some Del Taco. Taco. (laughs) We love you, girl. (laughs) No, um, it should be fixable, but it's just one of those gut-wrenching things that can happen as a guitar player when you crack the headstock on your Gibson. So, yeah. yeah. Um, We will rebuild. (laughs) We will rebuild, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Other than that, tour was great. We had a really good turnout, Mm -hmm. made some new friends. I love being on the road. I wish we were on the road right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was good. The other interesting thing that happened to me, uh, I don't know if anybody Ooh. saw this on social media, but I did post a picture of me kind of dressed not how I normally dress with my Gretsch and maybe some fishnets and uh, mm. like a leather garter belt. This is the new pinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. I just thought it was a regular clothes. Wednesday girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say sorry, yeah. not sorry. Yeah. Rocky, Rocky Horror picture night. And that was my outfit. But um. No, I actually got asked to audition for the darts because they needed a uh, guitar player for their Europe run. And, well, I did not get the gig, but <laughs> but it's okay. I got to learn some cool songs on the guitar. And um, and you made me fucking laugh so hard. On oh, that yeah. Show, we filmed shoot. it here in the Sound Sister studio. And <laughs> she started taking pictures of me. And she's, like, cry laughing at me. Like, yeah. trying, well, they're so trying to be good, sexy. Like, they're, like, hot and sexy. And I'm like, this is my best friend. Like, this is too fucking funny. I couldn't. Be like, sexy, Drea. I, I couldn't handle yeah. it. Yeah. You look sexy, bro. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. <laughs> she was yelling at me. Well, I'm like, that, ah. but like crying and laughing. So, like yeah, cry laughing at me, like crying. Yeah, so good, so, you guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, stoked. Like I'm gonna be 
going on tour with you guys next. It's it's my yeah. turn this yeah. time. I'm pretty stoked. Oh wait, I mean, yeah, I didn't wait. go on the last run. Oh, yeah. you're but you're both going on this run. Yeah, you we're and both. Ashley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I respect it. Ashley, Ashley's like, you know, the venue that you guys are going to play with is legend. And honestly, it's so much fun when we're all together anyway. Yeah, you know, it is. I mean. So mm-hmm. I like you like how I say that, yeah. even though I wasn't there last time. I'm like, you know, it was fun when we were all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Like, was, you know, was it? Was it? Because I was dead in the back, no, that's right, back of the van. Dead. So oh, was I'm it fun? Telling you it, it was, was fun. Was. <laughs> it sounded like you guys it, well, had a good was, time. It was, it was a blast. They're like, oh, yeah, cute. we drank wine and ate pizza. I'm like, fuck you. I was sick in this bed. I heard you guys laughing the entire time. <laughs> And I got a coat out of the deal. Hey, but I brought you pizza, dude. I brought you a plate of pizza. We did. We all took turns taking care of you. Truth. We are still going to record that Pink's episode one of these days. Cassie. Cassie. You got to come here, girl. (laughs) All right. Let's go ahead and jump into our roundtable discussion here on the Sound Sister podcast. We're going to be discussing writer's block. What it means as a musician and an artist. Angela, I'm sure you've dealt with writer's block in your writing and your photography i know i have with guitar and writing songs um so yeah let's go ahead and just kind of jump into that yeah it's kind of i don't know it's kind of crazy so i think you guys can all um identify that we do many different projects so sometimes it's hard to identify if it's truly a block or if maybe you're just de- making shit at the time like you're like not happy with the product or um if you're in a rut of some sort Mm -hmm. I know like for me it's been a while since I've done any sort of like fine art photography or any like sculptural work it's been a while Mm -hmm. for me just because I've been so busy with the music journalism stuff and then also finishing that little bachelor's degree piece of paper but you know you have to find time right? right so I don't know it's it's the struggle sometimes is real. I mean, one of um, the best perspectives ever, ever that was given to me by Ken Storch, my mentor Ken. slash Kenny. Ken slash friend slash photo Jedi. Um, he he discusses it like it's a percolator that almost like sometimes when you're not producing as much as you want to or the type of work that you are. That he, it's like a pressure cooker, you know, it's like, it's like any sort of stew. Things are developing, like in the back of your mind, you're creating things, ideas are happening, experiences are happening for it to eventually like set forth. Yeah. So what he kind of does to break that up and what I've since done that is do things like sharpening your pencils, cleaning your photo lenses, rearranging your, your space and trying to get it ready. So when the creative flow is there, nothing is in the way. And more times than not, by doing that, you, you find some sort of creative juices in that flow. So, okay. Yeah. So that's, that makes sense. Cause yeah. I, I'm coming to my room and it's a mess and then <clears throat> I end up cleaning it and not doing anything. Right. And you're like, okay, I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm tired. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes, especially when you have to like write creatively, like even in my creative, my advanced creative writing class, it's like write anything, write a play about anything. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, whoa, so much boundaries. Like, where do you start? You know, it comes overwhelming and it's always that need to try to top your last yeah success yeah i feel like the hardest part about writer's block is trying to force yourself to write when you know like you're not in the mood or nothing's really sparking your interest and then i feel for me personally like when i force myself to write like that it's not the greatest and i nine out of nine out of ten times i don't bring it to the band because i'm like no that's crap 
you know? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't sound good to me. Mm-hmm. You can tell it's like forced. It's too contrived. Yeah. It's just, it's you can just tell yeah. it's like forced or whatever. Did you like that? $5 working try. Yeah. yeah that's like good, it. dude. Fucking SAT <laughs> word right there. You should say it to uh, Chris In- Sherry. English <laughs> major. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, well, how do you get over writer's block? Um, well, mm-hmm. I mean... A couple of things that I know you and I, Drea, have talked about. You just is some... throw gasoline on it yeah. to your life and <laughs> set the world. <laughs> yes. Seriously? Everything's no, fine. No, yeah. yeah. Set the you world know? on fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I also Fucking think. gaslight it. But I also think that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Up in flames. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that maybe sometimes us as like artists of this type genre, we think that all, mm-hmm. we have this misconception that all good work has to come from like the depths of darkness. And sometimes we can find li- lots of greatness in the mm-hmm. light, but it's different because I personally, when I'm going through a lot of stuff outside of journalistic work, but out, you know, when I'm trying to do something creatively, it could kind of go on a, on a run and a flow when mm-hmm. you're just in that space. But mm-hmm. um, another option you can do is switch up mediums, like maybe, trying something different like going to or even surrounding yourself by things that inspire you which is like movies music theater reading a book things like that so you can figure out different aspects and different ways to try to channel like what you have but I know the biggest thing that Mm -hmm. I've been told is don't freak out just don't freak out about it because the more you freak out about it the more it's just not going to come you're like, oh my god, am I an artist? Am I been a fraud this whole time? Are they really gonna find out I suck? And I've just been like, you know, hiding yeah. everything through, you know, whatever. And so, I don't know. That's hmm. some. I mean, I don't have the end all advice to this. Right. What do I you mean, do, Gabs? Well, it's more more now. I just have a one day off or something, and okay. I want to get everything done, all the ideas and music. And when okay. I sit down to work, nothing, because there's so much, and then okay. it's just. I literally get nothing done. Gotcha. <laughs> but it's times that I'm either I'm in my living room or just pick up the acoustic for some reason and something comes up and then I just record it on my phone because that's all the time I have for. Right. Um, and then back then when I used to live in an apartment for a couple years, I didn't write any new music at all until right. I changed environment because it so. But yeah, it's it's hard. So for you, it's very attributed to your surroundings. My surroundings, and like yeah. Having I can agree with that too. Accessibility. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I agree. When I didn't have, yeah. when I have, didn't have a space, like I have like was... no personal space. Yeah, right. It sucks. Yeah. Mine was just being a organized hoarder. If that makes sense, <laughs> I just had so much mm-hmm. stuff, and it's it's clutter. It's clutter in your brain. So how are you going to create, right? If there's right. too much going on, right? Yeah. So. No, I think it's important, you know, that you guys, yeah. I don't know, you should probably have an instrument in every single room. Right. Like, I've, been, I've yeah. been trying to do that more. Yeah. You know, but, you know, well, especially when you have a dog that's as big as you are. So that might kind that's of. That's right. <laughs> no, at least I have my own office. I can close the door on yeah. the dogs. But, you know, even if you have the time, sometimes nothing comes out. So. Yeah, and then you start doing something else because you're like, fuck it. I've also found when I'm supposed to be doing something else that I get really right. creative with other things. <laughs> Me too. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. Is that just I like the punk, the punk in us that are just like, I'm supposed to be doing this, but fuck supposed to be yeah. doing. No one tells me what to do. Right. I'm going to do this. My way. Right? Or the highway. Right. What other ways have you gotten over 
so my writer's block yeah or a rut you know what it helps if you for me personally it'll help if i go listen to cds and album <laughs> cds <laughs> Um, she's cds old yeah i am, I am <laughs> cds old you're right um, it helps if you go back and listen to albums you've listened to in high school kind of to just to get that reminder of why you love punk rock so much and what really motivated you to pick up the instrument and put yourself out there going um, back to basics going yeah going saying. back to your roots or whatever uh the other thing is uh learning new songs on guitar that you wouldn't normally play, mm. like a dart song or right. different genres, different or, genres. Yeah. Um, and then there's always the good old fashioned, just let me pour gasoline all over my life right now and throw a match on it, yeah, <laughs> and see what happens. That's yeah, the self-destructive that's... method. Right. I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good lyrics come out of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because whenever I feel the worst and I feel so in my feels or depressed or if I'm going through something, it's the time that I don't want to create, but it's, it's what everyone says. And what's the truth is that's the time to create because a, it's like, you know, the thing that we touch that helps our souls. And, and I mean, I think anybody that's listening to this podcast is an artist in their own right, regardless Mm -hmm. of what the medium is, because, you know, so if anybody's feeling that way, you know, I just suggest to pick up something and try to push through. But yeah. going back to what you were saying about old music and whatnot, um, it was suggested I did a little research. They suggested that maybe take a look at some of your work and find out, like, what is frustrating about it. So maybe that's when you're developing certain material that you're unsatisfied. So maybe with a more critical eye and then also looking at things like what do you love about it? So if you can try to narrow it down that way right um and then like gabby's thing is like trying to dedicate time i've been told to dedicate time like every day even if it's like a half an hour um yeah right. so i mean i should do that along with my social media posting right drea yes <laughs> de- dedicate some time yeah. girlfriend Not too much time though. was like what are you doing <laughs> i guess like we got two ends of the spectrum over here yeah awesome um i mean yeah it sounds like everybody just needs to make time so they can get out of their writer's block. I think they're, I mean, we really do believe wholeheartedly that uh, music and art can change the world. And so if you're not using that medium or speaking your, to your true artistic self, then you're doing yourself and the world a disservice. So yeah. we owe it to everyone to tap into that. Yeah. And as an artist, always question everything. Always question everything. Everything. All right. everything. Uh, up next, we're going to be talking to Chris Sherry, and we're going to be right back after this break. I'm not 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, give it up for Mr. Chris Sherry. <laughs> hey, Chris, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for asking me. It's uh, it's always nice to be uh, interested in enough in to you know have somebody want to talk to you about what you do. <laughs> great, great. Well, we're stoked to talk to you. I know we uh, chatted with you brief at the Punk Rock and Paintbrushes Art Exhibit, yep. which was great back in December. Um, uh, do you have any other upcoming events with like Punk Rock and Paintbrushes or any other events on the horizon? <laughs> Um, yeah, Emily, who who runs the punk rock and paintbrushes, uh, has been you know asking me to do virtually all of them that have been coming along. And there's um, there's one that she's going to be doing in Riot Fest. Um, I guess that's like the end of August or so, maybe the end of this month. Uh, and I may or may not be doing that one. And then I, I think I'm going to have some artwork, and I might be doing like a panel discussion at the fest in Gainesville. And um, then there's another punk rock and paintbrushes thing that I don't think they've announced yet that's going to be more towards the end of the year that I'll be doing. But um, I, I, think that's a, I think that's about it. I've been mainly working with, uh, with Emily doing the punk rock and paintbrushes things recently. Because, uh, I, I mean, you know, my gallery is really kind of a record store or like on somebody's body, like walking around with a T-shirt. Hmm. You know, like having stuff in like an, an actual show show seems a little weird for me. Right. I mean, even though, you know, I'm doing artwork, but it just, it seems weird. It's like, you know, my wife does does pieces that you have to see what she made. And for me, a lot of the stuff is just, it's mass produced. It's, you know, t-shirt stuff. And, and I kind of like just seeing that rather than like something up on a wall. Right, right. So when you go to these events, do you kind of, is it very surreal for you then when you see everything on the wall? Not, you know, not really. Um, you know, I'm I'm fine with it. I just don't feel like, you know, my artwork, that's that's not necessarily the, the place that it needs to be. You know, like I said, I, I prefer it kind of being in a record store or somebody walking around wearing it. But it's it's not really surreal. I, I've done it for a while. It, it You know, it, it's not exactly like the place I'm the most comfortable with, but it, it's fine. Sure, sure. So let's just start on how did you get started in punk rock art? Uh, we discussed before we got on the line with you here that you've been doing this since 1988. Um, yeah. Let's talk about your journey a little bit for our listeners. Well, um, for doing artwork for bands and stuff, I, I kind of started a quote unquote professionally in, in 1988. I was a senior in high school and um, I was living in England and my friends were the band The Stupids. And they were a really big um, skate rock band in the late 80s in England. And they lived close by where we lived in England, too. And uh, they had asked me to do a T-shirt design for them. So I did that. And that was my first like paid thing. And it was like, oh, wow, I, I did something for a T-shirt. That was kind of fun. Let me do more of them. And I've always been super fascinated by like T-shirts and, you know, like merchandise that's been associated with bands. Because, I mean, I, music is kind of my life. So... Um, I just got really excited about wanting to do more and more artwork for bands. So I just started reaching out and figuring what well, was pretty easy doing the thing for the stupids. I'll just ask bands I like. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have bands that, you know, wanted to use some of the work that I did. 
or would approach me and say, hey, would you be interested in doing stuff for us? And uh, kind of went from there, you know, and I just, I, I never really stopped, you know, it was just one of those things that I'm always drawing. So it was really easy for me to just keep going and going and going and just reaching out to the bands, like I said, that I was um, most interested in. And, you know, since it's not my full-time job, I was able to only do the stuff that I wanted to do. I didn't have to do it. I just did it because I, I wanted to. I, I wanted to do stuff for the people I work with. That's great. I know uh, you did a TEDx talks uh, where yeah. you discussed how your parents couldn't understand why you were putting forth so much energy and effort. And it was the whole DIY mentality and not getting uh, the financial piece back. I actually had the very same conversation with my mom last night, going to shoot a photo a show oh, wow. without, <laughs> without actually getting paid for it. But talk, uh, Talk with us a little bit on how, what that was like as far as, you know, now you're actually commissioned and uh, right. you have that fine balance, but you still have passion projects that you do the simple fact that you love it. So oh, what yeah, does that yeah, balance yeah. look like? Um, you know, mainly, well, I mean, it's kind of simple. If somebody approaches me and wants me to do something, you know, if I don't know them, if I'm not familiar with the music or, um, you know, they're not friends of mine, I'll just kind of give them a, a base price and say, okay, well, this is what it would, would cost to have me do it. And then the opposite of that is where if there's a band that I really want to work with and maybe they just need a little help with something, I'll do it. And oftentimes I'll just go, it's yours. If you guys make anything and you want to pay me for something, that's great, but I don't really care. I would rather you just have this. And that's kind of what I did in the in the first place. I mean, I, I just did artwork and I was so stupid. I, I would do drawings and I just put them in the mail and just go, okay, here you go. So That's like awesome. a lot of my early stuff, I don't have, you know, oh, and a lot of the bands were like, oh, cool. You know, we used it, we made stickers or whatever. And I, I don't know where the artwork went. So there's a lot of stuff that's been lost over the ages. And oh, I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes. But um, I got better about that and um, just decided, okay, well, if somebody I don't know is approaching me, I, I have to charge them because I mean, why would I do it for you? I mean, you know, unfortunately, there's just one of me so far. And uh, I can't really, I, I can't produce more than what I'm allowed to do in a 24 hour period of time. Sure. So my time then is valuable. I mean, I, I can't, I can't just take things on just because, oh, well, you were really nice and you were very complimentary. It'd be nice if I could do that, but compliments aren't going to put food on my table. Right. right. So um, you mentioned time. That's another key theme that you talk about in your TED TEDx mm -hmm. performance as well. Um, I shouldn't say performance, your lecture, which was brilliant. Oh, I don't know. It was a performance. <laughs> it Man, was so you should have seen it. We were, we were, so yeah, I'm going to interrupt you, but yeah, let's yeah, hear it. Come on. No, please. Interrupt it was me. so funny. It was so stupid. So I, I was asked to do this, this TED talk thing. And I, I really was kind of like, Oh, why do you want me to do that? I don't know <laughs> if that's you know a good idea. So I was very hesitant to do it in the first place. And then when I finally agreed, I agreed on a Wednesday and I needed to go to, to Southern California on Friday. So I had two days to write a 17-minute piece that I had rehearsed because there was no teleprompter. There was nothing. And I just needed to have it down. So I wrote it and, you know, refined it and refined it. And then my wife drove us down to L.A. area. 
And I sat in the van with my laptop open, going over it and going on memorizing it. So it was definitely a performance. Cause like wow. when I got there, it was like, all right, 17 minutes, let's make sure I don't miss anything. And I just went. And so it was a performance. So you, you spoke very correctly when you <laughs> called it. That's awesome. That. Well, and plus- And stupid, it was so stupid. <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to ask him, like, the, if who approached who, but you said that they approached you about it. Yeah, Yeah, because I mean, I, I would never go, oh, geez, I really should do a TED Talk. People need to hear what I have to say. <laughs> right. I mean, that's like, that's so full of yourself. And, and I, you know, honestly, I had no idea how those things even worked in the first place. It was uh -huh. like, well, I mean, what do like the, the heavens open up and this right. booming voice comes down and goes, we need to hear what you think about global warming. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't sure how it even worked or how somebody approaches you. But they asked and, um, you know, I, my wife was like, no, you have to do it. And I was like, uh, well, like, <laughs> what do I even do it on? And she was like, I, I don't know. And, right. you know, then I just had, had to had to figure that out and then I had to write it and whatever. Oh. So anyway, I'm sorry. I totally interrupted. No, this is oh, great. Right. No, you interrupt right. all you want. You right. are the, you are. Yeah. The so at least they didn't tell you like, you need to speak about this on this matter and that. So they just said it might've been so easier if they did. Cause <laughs> like, I mean, I seriously dragged my feet for a couple of weeks. Cause I was like, I don't know what, I mean, what do, what do I have to talk about? And the thing was, I mean, why it wound up being what it was, which is essentially balancing, you know, having a career as a, as a high school teacher and then doing my artwork was I said well do you want me to talk about you know like being an educator or do you want me to talk about being you know like a, a music uh, aficionado do you want me to talk about my artwork I mean what do you want me to talk about and they said well talk about whatever you're passionate about and, and since I kept going back and forth between all those things and going I don't I don't know how to narrow it down I figured well that's what I write about the fact that I am you know, almost in a way like I have, you know, like two very separate distinct lives. And, and so that's what it wound up being. So, um, yeah, but I put it off to the last minute. It was really, it was really <laughs> stupid. That's great. That's so great. So it was, they just loved you and they're just like, we want you to speak. Here you go. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, weirder things have happened. <laughs> that's so great. That's so great. So strange. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. And uh, but yeah, you talk you talk a lot about time management and just how like we have so many hours in a day and how you can yeah. fit in the play aspect with what you do for a living and how we still need to constantly keep exploring. Was that something that you've always been conscious about, or is that something that you've developed over time? Yeah, my dad was in the uh, was in the military, and um, and by no means do I mean that as like a bad thing. But we were very very regimented. I mean, there was not like you know he wasn't the great Santini. He wasn't like coming home and you know like making us run laps and do drills and things like that. But we we did work on a, a really very um, orderly schedule. I mean, when we would go on road trips, my dad would go, okay, it's going to be five o'clock. It's time to stop for dinner. And then we'll see if we can find a hotel with a pool because we're not driving after dinner. And I was like, but we've got like a hundred miles to go to have, like, can't we just keep going? But he was very, very regimented about that. And so he was always very, very good with time management. And so I just grew up, you know, with that in the back of my mind that you always need to be conscious about the time that you do have and how do you use it? I mean, are you wasting it? Are you sitting around and getting nothing accomplished thinking about doing something? Or are you actually, you know, just shutting up and doing something? So for me, I just kind of grew up very, very much aware of time. 
and trying to do the best that I can, you know, to get the most out of it. And being a high school teacher too, you know, I have, I have only like 50 minutes for all of my classes. So I want to make sure that I am able to get through what I need to get through in that period of time. So I'm very, very conscious of time. And um, then when I do get a break, it's like, okay, now I can try and squeeze in these five minutes, you know, this little bit, or I have to do attendance. So the kids are leaving. Now I can do attendance and I have a new batch coming in. So I, I, you know, and I guess I have a really good internal clock because I don't use an alarm. I'm, I'm up, you know, when I need to get up every day and um, I'm just super hyper conscious. I mean, if I have a superpower, it's time management. It's like kind of a stupid superpower, but like, I think I'm, I'm very good at that. I, ha I have a, a high level of functionality in time management for whatever that's worth. So somebody that struggles in that area what would you suggest? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Take a seminar. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, because I think a lot of times, um, you know, people really just drag their feet more than anything, you know, rather than saying, oh, okay, well, I just need to start right now. They'll think of all the reasons why it's, it's not going to work out. You know, they'll think about the potential disasters that might await them rather than trying something and just going, okay, well, however it works out, it works out. You know, I don't have enough time in my day to sit around and go, well, I don't know if this drawing is going to look very good. Just draw, just pick up a pen and start working. So for me, um, you know, I, I think just stick with it. Just get going is, is the best thing, you know, that I can, I can recommend, I think. That's great. That's great. Well, and it, I, I don't know. Well, and it kind of uh, brings us to our roundtable topic, which was yeah. writer's block or artist block. And um, right. I know you have some great theories on this. So please, lighten <laughs> us. I, I, I want to hear know if they're so great. I don't know if they're great or not. You know, and, you know, keep in mind that all of this is coming from a position of somebody who this is something that they enjoy doing, but I don't necessarily consider doing the artwork that I do as a, a career. It's not what I'm, I'm doing, you know, to take care of all my bills or anything. It's supplemental. So it's easy for me to talk about this in that regard because I'm, I'm not having to do something for Nike. You know, I don't have like a big ad campaign that I have to do. It's like my life doesn't depend on it. It's I do it because, oh, hey, I think it'd be really fun to do something for good riddance. They're getting ready to go out on tour. So, hey, maybe I'll do something and see if they want to use it. But anyway, having said that, you know, I think writer's block for me really doesn't happen because I'm, I'm constantly working. You know, I'll get up in the morning and I'll go, okay, I got an hour. Um, you know, maybe I should do a drawing. Oh, I want to draw Keith Morris today. So I'll just draw him. And then when I'm finished with that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking things in visually all day, every day. And I'll see things and go, oh, that, that thing behind, behind you on the Alkaline Trio poster, it's, I know it's a water bottle, but my vision's so bad, it kind of looks like the Joker. Oh, I haven't drawn the Joker in a while. Maybe I should do that. Nice. So, you know, and, and I'll just get, you know, the idea, hey, maybe I should try something like that. And I just go and just do it. I, I don't have time, you know, to sit around and think about, well, how's this going to work? I'm constantly thinking about ideas for different bands that I'd like to work with. You know, I love the band X. So I'm always thinking, all right, what can I do that would really, you know, best exemplify who they are as a band? And how am I going to visually get that down? So I'll do doodles, but I don't spend all my time working on that. I'll quickly shift gears and go, okay, well, Descendants are going on tour in the Midwest and I have these four shirts I have to do by Friday. Okay, well, let me start doing some research on the cities and then I just start. So for me, 
there really isn't anything as writer's block because I'm, I'm constantly doing something. I, I don't have time to think about what I'm going to do. It's just, all right, well, let's just try doing things. And I do a lot of sketches. I do a lot of stuff in pencil first. And, and you know, some of it doesn't look very good. And I go, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I think about things a lot. It used to be before I, I had an accident and broke some of my ribs, I took a bath every day. And the, the bath was like my think tank. So I'd get in the tub in the morning and for like a half hour, I would sit and think about, okay, well, I have to do this, this, and this today. But I also do want to do some designs for these bands. What might work? And I'll just kind of like think about songs and, you know, uh, just political views, things like that, that maybe would be good ideas for them. And visually, how do you represent that? So I'm constantly thinking. And then when I actually have the time to start working, the ideas just come because I've, I've spent a lot of time prepping for that. You know, it's not just like a blank piece of paper and I've never thought about what I'm going to do. That doesn't happen. I'm, I'm constantly thinking and, and, you know, trying to come up with ideas to visually represent something, anything. Well, and one thing that we kind of mentioned is that sometimes people, I think, may get confused writer's block for being dissatisfied with the work they're producing. Right. So, and it sounds like you have that. So even just a great artist that we admire, you're, you know, one of my favorite artists, you have Thank that. You. So, so I guess for you, it's all about not, it's not focusing on what didn't work. It's what does work and pushing through to that. Am I understanding that? Right. Yeah, pretty much, you know, and, and I will work on some, well, I'm working on something for, well, I, we, we haven't got it like totally down yet, so I'm not really going to say who, um, but I am working on, on something for a band, a band I've wanted to work with for a really long while. And, you know, I had an idea, um, I did it and it sounded like things were going good and then it's finished and it's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe if we tried this or this and I'm like, why was sending you things all along. I don't really know how to get to what you're asking for. So I kind of put it in the back of my mind for, you know, probably about a month and a half now. And I just today before this interview, I started coming back to it and going, okay, I think I might've cracked this. So while initially the design I did wasn't necessarily what they were looking for, I can go back and I can refine, um, but I have all these other things that I'm working on in between. So it's not like I have to finish this novel or this short story. There's just a lot of stuff that I, I have that I'm juggling simultaneously. So I think that kind of helps to avoid a writer's block, you know, because hmm. there's many things going on. It's like, it's like those old, uh, you know, things where they would be spinning plates. Okay. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. There's mm -hmm. like, you know, these sticks and there's people walking around and there's like eight plates that they're spinning and trying to keep moving. And I feel like that a lot of the times, like there's a lot of things that I have to keep moving forward because if I turn my attention for too long, one of the plates is going to fall and break. I, it's mm -hmm. a stupid analogy, but you know, that's what I got. Oh, no way to put it. I mean, all, all, <laughs> all three of us yeah. are always hustling multiple yeah. projects all the yeah. time. So, I mean, I think that's great advice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is there any sort of mediums that are art mediums or any sort of hobbies or things that you would like to try that you haven't? Huh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I'm envious of people that can work well with watercolor because I think it, mm -hmm. it requires a real delicate touch and it's um, an additive process. But if you add too much, you can't ever go back. 
Mm. You know, and I work a lot of times, you know, what I'm trained in, I'm, I'm trained as an oil painter. And I love oil painting because you can just like pile stuff on, scrape the canvas down, leave some of the stuff you scraped and essentially start over. They can't do that with something like watercolor. I mean, once you make a mark, it's there. And if you go too dark, you can't bring that back. There's, there's really no way to do that. So, you know, at some point, I'd like to kind of try my hand at that and, and see if I can get a feel for it. Because I am very, very envious of people that are very good and skilled with that craft. I can't do, or at least I don't feel like I can do it well. So yeah, maybe that. Um, I, I haven't done a whole lot of um, block printing in a while, and I'd like to do more of that. I wish I had the facilities to be able to do silk screening in my house, but mm. I just don't have the room for it. But, you know, and I've done, you know, some actual physical silk screening stuff before, and I love that. I wish I had the opportunity to be able to do it, but, you know, you kind of need more space for it. Yeah. Um, as far as your, going back to your block portrait work, yeah. I mean, I think it's so interesting because, a lot of your subjects, which are like the punk rock musicians or the certain actors that you choose, a lot of times traditionally they're depicted as like maybe more grim, darker, like that kind of stuff. And you make them really colorful and very pop art, which I think is great because that's another feeling that you get when you're in these uh, punk rock shows. So how was that process? Because it's very different than anybody else that I've seen. What made you decide to go in that avenue as far as well you know i think i think as far as like you know artwork um for me it's it's very much um like a pendulum so if i go too far one way i'll kind of want to come back the other way so Mm -hmm. i had been doing the sharpie sketches for a couple of years where it was just black and white and you know and I love doing that because it's really about your line quality. It's all about the value. It's about the character of the lines and, and that sort of thing. So for me, that was super, super fun. And I still, I love doing both, but there was, you know, no color. You know, it's just black lines and white paper. And I thought, gosh, I really miss having color in things. So how can I do something that's not focusing so much on line and, and value, but something that's more dealing with shape and color? Because truthfully, I see things like my eyes process things in in terms of color and shape. I have terrible, terrible, terrible eyesight, and so for me, like um, impressionist paintings and stuff, make a lot of sense because I kind of see the world in in shapes and color. And impressionist paintings, I mean, that's basically what they're going for. So for me, doing the the color block portrait stuff was was just a reaction to having done so much of just line and black and white i wanted to do something that was a little bit more colorful that you know is a little bit more kind of how how i am i mean because i'm i am a very colorful Mm -hmm. i mean physically i'm very colorful you know i i'm not afraid of you know wearing outlandish colors and stuff i like that you know it's it's kind of part of who i am and um you know, it, it makes an impression. You know, if you were to walk into a store wearing all bright yellow, people take notice. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, um, I don't know of many gangs that are all yellow. I mean, the, <laughs> we should start with the this. West Side Bananas. I don't know. Right? No, you um, listeners, you guys, I wish you could see the shirt he's got on. It's so great. It's Aquabats. <laughs> yeah. It's like bright. Hawaiian type it's it's red so. well we'll make Thank sense you. that you're talking about the bright um I worked for slope for a little bit slope records and uh oh sure when the Dickies seven inch came out I had to oh, sure. do a press page and I saw that your name was on it and I was trying to figure out like what did he do on it and then I saw it was the the layout and the drawing yeah. and it's, it's like 
so did you do the whole layout or I, I wasn't yeah, I don't yeah, remember I if it was the picture or the layout but it was like bright pink yeah the, <laughs> yeah the photograph wasn't wasn't me right. so um it, it's funny because I, I don't know if you guys know Stan Lee um but the guitar player for the Dickies mm -hmm. but Stan um called me up and uh Stan's great because you know he's like him and like Keith Morris are like some of the older dudes in in the punk rock world so <laughs> and very much like an older guy and and I don't talk on the phone very often, but Stan calls and I'll talk on the phone because he likes to talk on the phone. So he gets me on the phone. He's like, hey, Chris, so we got a new record that's going to be coming out. It's the first record we've done in like 18 years and we've got these great photos, but I don't trust anybody with the layout. Would you do the layout? And I was like, the layout? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's your first record in 18 years and then you tell me you want me to do the layout? Like that, that, yeah, okay, I'll do it, Stan. I want it to look good. <laughs> So then I got started with it and I really wanted it to kind of have like a classic feel of like a Dickies record that you might have seen before. And so I'm going through, and of course, every revision is over the phone. It's Stan calling me up going, well, can we move this a quarter of an hour? I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so, um, so after all of that was said and done, you know, he said, well, these are the two songs and maybe it'd be kind of fun to do some drawings on the labels themselves. So I did physical drawings but everything else all the layout and you know like how the the look and the presentation of the record that was that was me with stan's guidance and leonard too mm -hmm. to a certain extent leonard um you know would kind of chime in more towards the end but um yeah it, i mean it was decided right from the start it was going to be it was bright it was going to be like pink yeah. and yellows and you know and it was going to look like something you know that's more of a classic dickies look right yeah it definitely grabs your attention for sure good yeah that's that's kind of <laughs> what we were going for so do, do you do a lot of record layouts or was it just a one-off? No, I don't. That's what was so funny. It was like, he's kind of asking me like, oh yeah, well, you, you want to do the layout? And I'm like, uh, yeah, but I don't do that all that often. <laughs> I, I will and I'll figure it out. Um, you know, and I'm going on like websites getting, you know, different <laughs> templates that, you know, companies uh -huh. use for like the actual layout. Because there's all the bleed and everything mm -hmm. too, you know, like the actual laying out. And it's to a certain extent, it's monkey work. It's like, why am I doing this? But you know, again, it's a band I love. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So no, I typically don't do that. I'll do the drawings and, and have the drawings as finished uh -huh. as they can be and just send it to whomever. And then, you know, somebody else does the monkey work. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Sherry, let's talk about a little bit about your first punk rock show. And, and what was that like? Let's get into music, oh. music here. Okay, okay. So first first punk rock show, it was probably 1986. So I'm living in, in England at the time. And um, so the DC band Scream were on tour in, in the UK. And they were going to be playing in London with my friend's band, The Stupids. And um, I think, I want to say Thatcher on Acid played that show too. Anyway, um, so it was the first, like, Big, well, I guess that was the first like hardcore show I went to. Um, and prior to that, I had seen The Damned on the Phantasmagoria. No, it wasn't. No, they had posters for that. But it was the uh, Anything um, album. So it was like 86 also, I think it was. Um, and I mean, they absolutely changed my life. It was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I mean, just the camaraderie of the people who are in the, the audience. Um, you know, just, just people... Um, kind of going nuts but the bands were very very approachable you know you could go up I'll, I'll never forget um so dick lucas from the subhumans came to the scream and stupid show and again i'm like 
it's, it's my first, you know, like hardcore show. I'm maybe 15 at the time. And, you know, I know Dick Lucas from the subhumans and I'm like, oh my gosh, like there he is. Like, what's he doing here? He's not even playing. So I realized people were very, very approachable. And like to me, being able to talk to people like that and, and you were kind of on the same level, that made a really, really big impact on me. It was like, this is kind of the sort of, you know, music and the venues I like to be at, you know, and, um, and they were, you know, a lot of young kids were there too you know, like myself. Um, and that, that appealed to me way more than, you know, like older bands that, that had like an audience that was in their twenties. It was like, I, I felt like, you know, when you're 15, the tw your twenties is like a million years from there. You know, you, you just seem like you guys are dinosaurs. Like what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was immediately just like blown away. And you know, the, the fact that, there wasn't some big label telling people what to do or how to do it and what to say that really, really appealed to me. And, um, and I just like, you know, I've always liked really fast, aggressive music. So it made perfect sense though. Those were my first early, early punk shows and just huge. The, the damned was actually the very first punk band I ever saw. And, um, they're still to this day, one of my all time favorite bands. That's great. So I did research somewhere that you tried your hand at playing punk rock yourself <laughs> before you- Oh yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. What happened? <laughs> yeah, nothing, well, nothing happened. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, so I had um, in high school, you know, you're listening to stuff and, and you, you ladies know, I mean, you get to a point where you go, okay, maybe I can do this too. Maybe I should learn something or whatever. But I, I wasn't, you know, uh, prepared to learn any kind of instrument. So I decided, okay, well, I could probably sing because I don't really have any inhibitions at all. And I have no problem getting up on, on stage and making a fool of myself. I, I, I can do that well. So um, I, I thought, all right, well, you know, maybe we should get a band going. So some other friends of mine kind of knew how to play things. So freshman year in high school, you know, I, I got together with some friends and we did a battle of the bands thing and it was awful. And then a couple of years later, met some new people and we started a band and actually recorded some things. And, uh, you know, I just decided, all right, well, I guess I'm a singer because uh, I can't play anything and <laughs> did that for a while in, in England. And then I moved to Denver and did a couple other bands again, just being a singer. Cause like, you know, I don't know how to play anything and, and I'm not going to learn. I'm just not, I'm not, I don't have the patience <laughs> for it. So yeah, so I, I did that. And, you know, at a certain point, I just got to to realize, okay, well, I could either really try and push that or I'm really good at the art thing. Let me just keep going with that. That's really where I'm most happy. That's great. Gotcha. So so going back to the art thing then, uh, I'm a huge Blink-182 fan and I saw that you- Oh, out. cool. So how, how did that come to be? Who approached who? No, that's it's so weird. So it's Fourth of July two years ago. I, it's it's so easy to remember because it's Fourth of July, right? So I every Fourth of July we go to my my wife's family's house in in Wyoming, and we're sitting around, we're getting ready to have dinner, and I just get this random Instagram message from Travis Barker, and Travis goes, "Dude, I love your artwork." Yeah, totally random. It's cash. And he goes. Well, yeah, so you know how I felt. So he just goes, dude, I love your artwork. We need to do something. And I went, uh, okay. Cool. You know who this is? Like, I mean, you know, I was just kind of like, are you putting me on? Like, what is this? So, you know, it kind of went a little while. I, you know, I chatted back and forth with him and, um, you know, I didn't have any ideas or anything. Um, you know, kind of time passed by a little bit and, um, 
he get a, gets a hold of me about a year later and says, hey, we're going to be doing this residency thing in Las Vegas, and we'd really like to use something of yours for it. Oh, okay, so no problem. So I, you know, again, I'm, I'm in class. It, it's lunchtime. You know, some of my kids are in the, the room, and so I just kind of start doodling, and I start drawing, you know, the Blink-182 bunny but I start drawing it more in my style. And I thought, all right, well, let me update it. I mean, he's wearing big baggy pants. Let's change that. You know, let's, let's kind of tweak some things a little bit. So I did it in my style and said, okay, well, what if we add like, you know, like a Las Vegas thing? So Travis loved it. He said, okay, let me show it to the other guys. Let's see what they think. Yep. They loved it. So they were like, okay, well, let's do that. And I was like, cool. I did something for blank. That's pretty awesome. That's the end. And then <laughs> the shirts did really well. And not too long after, Travis said, uh, hey, you know those color block portraits you're doing? Could we hire you to do them for the band? You know, we'd like to use those as well. Oh, yeah, okay, I can do that. So I was like, wow, doing two things for them. That's weird. So <laughs> I, did, I did their portraits, and they made that into a shirt, and that went really well. And um, then they're on this, um, this tour right now with Lil Wayne, and I knew that they were going to be doing um, posters for each of the, the stops along the tour, mm. and they were going to get a hold of a bunch of artists, and, and I was one of the first people that they thought of and said, hey, we, you know, we want you to do something. I said, okay. So I was going to do, and I am going to be working on something for Denver, but that's sometime in, I think, September. And um, the place who's, who's doing the printing said, hey, we need, we need something like, like next week. Could you do another one? Yeah, okay, I could do that. So I kind of, I've wound up doing a few things for them so far, and which is crazy because wow. it's like they're huge, and like you know, my parents are going, "Hey, we've heard of them," because like my parents don't know who a <laughs> right. lot of bands right. are that I just, <laughs> yeah. But they're going Blink One Eighty Two. Hey, we know those guys. They're the Naked Guys. We know them. That's <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, cool. that's them. That's them, Dad. <laughs> well, we always like to call them like fangirl or fanboy moments. Was that one of oh, the yeah. biggest ones? Like, I have arrived. <laughs> well, you know, I I think more than anything, it was like with my. St I don't talk very much about like the artwork that I do with my students because sure. you know it's boring for them. Like, I, I'm not trying to impress teenagers, so. Um, but that was something that I could go to my class and go, oh, hey, kids, Mr. Sherry is doing something for Blink-182. And they'd go, wait, we know who they are. That's really weird. Like, meanwhile, <laughs> I'm like super excited going, oh, I hope I can do something for Leatherface. And they're going, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It's old people music. <laughs> so um, that was, that was kind of cool to be able to have something that I could, you know, tell my kids at school and they'd go, oh, yeah, we know who they are. Okay. I was going to ask you if you had a lot of like punk rock students or if like you walk no. through the halls and you zero in on that one person, you're like, I think you know. So none, none at all. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I, you know, I guess, I guess they kind of have figured some of it out and you know they might have discovered some bands because of the things that I have up around my room uh, so in my classroom you know I've got some Descendants artwork I've got some all artwork some Jawbreaker stuff I you know I have things Bad. from bands that I like and stuff that I've done so I think some of them you know just through time and osmosis have started to figure out who some of these bands are and actually like them but it's usually when they get done with high school and they're in college and they go dude i saw somebody that had a milo tattoo like you drew that yeah i did and you know they freak <laughs> out so in college i'm really cool to them in high school they're like i don't care whatever i just uh. you know. well i was in theater in high school i wish i had you as my drama teacher <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't know you'd have to ask my students i mean i get along really great with them and and i think they really enjoy being in there but not it doesn't have anything to do with you know like the artwork or stuff I do I don't you know like I said I don't want to try and impress that upon them because I don't think that's 
I don't think it's really appropriate. I, and I've always found that teachers who really try and win kids over by saying, hey, look at how cool I am, are either super narcissists or they're closet pedophiles. So, you know, bottom line, look out for any adult that's trying to impress children. There's something wow. is wrong with them. I mean, I, I, I can say yeah. that without exception. Wow. wow. That's, that's, we were point. just talking about some yeah. creeper topics earlier, but that is good. Yeah. Flags. yeah. That is huge. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Anytime, you know, there's somebody that, that as a staff member is trying to, you know, be the coolest kid on campus. That's a giant red flag for me. And I'm like, kids, you know, kind of keep your distance, you know, and I always talk to my, my students when we, we have these days that are like mandated days where we have to go over like, you know, sexual harassment and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I always make sure to include that's not just for other students, but that's potentially staff members or any other adult that you might come into contact with. Cause I take my job, that job really, really seriously. And sure. it's like that there is absolutely nothing I think that makes me more furious than somebody who takes advantage of children. And, um, you know, so I'm always telling them, you know, just be on the lookout if they're, if they're quote unquote cool, cause you don't have to do homework. You might want to start worrying about that. Sure. Sure. Right. So stranger danger. <laughs> stranger, oh yeah. Stranger For danger. real. Uh, <laughs> well, that's great. And, um, so to switch topics a little bit here, um, your wife, she has amazing textiles, beautiful she work. Does. You guys collab a lot on- We do, we do sometimes, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, she, Um. so she, all of her artwork started, you know, from the, the theater as well, because she was, she was uh, a costuming assistant. Um, she was helping me with, with costume stuff, um, and her mom taught her to sew and, and do all these really incredible things. So she was helping out and costuming the shows that we were doing. And as a thank you for the kids, she would get um, glitter vinyl and she would make bags that said Lincoln drama on them. And she'd give them out to kids who were graduating. And the kids were like, wow, these are really cool. And so she started getting a little bit more adventurous with that because you can only do something that says, you know, just Lincoln drama for so long before you want to start reaching out and going, okay, well, how, how do I mix up the design? How do we do something more interesting? So she gradually started getting more and more complicated with what she did. And, you know, eventually it was, okay, well, she's not going to do just bags, but she's going to do pieces that we put up on walls. And then before you knew it, you know, she's just developed this art form that kind of didn't really exist before she started doing it. So, uh, yeah, she's quite incredible. It's truly, truly unique, the work that she does. So is it usually that she gets inspired by your work or you get inspired by hers or is it just kind of, how does that collaboration look like? It's, it's not really so much like getting inspired by the work, but the work ethic. Um, so a lot of times she'll, she has a, a basement studio and she'll go, well, I need to go in the basement to work for a few hours. And it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Oh, I probably should be drawing too. So our work ethic, I think more than anything kind of spurs us on to keep going and keep doing stuff. Um, and with the collaboration stuff that we've done in the past, it's, um, it's something that maybe I might've designed that she'll then turn into, you know, like a bag or a piece. And, um, it, it's, it's pretty fun to be able to do that because I feel like, oh, this is us, you know? And um, I don't know. I think it's really cute. I, I'm, her, I'm her biggest fan. And so I, I think what everything she does is beautiful. And when she's done something that I designed, it's like, oh, wow. Like I won the lottery that she's Aww. wanting to do that. That's awesome. Aww. And her name is 
Lori. Lori. And yeah. And her Lori Herbst. Herbst. That's her Instagram yes. page. So yes, it listeners, is. please just do yourself a favor and follow her. her page because she's got amazing or truly unique like what she does it's very interesting oh yeah well and the, the really cool thing well and i think you guys may have seen at the punk rock and paintbrushes show um to see the, the work in person is is really really different because there's layers to it um you know it's cut glitter vinyl that's sewn together with an industrial sewing machine so there's actually a dimensional aspect to it but also the way that you know things pick up the light you can't really duplicate that in a photograph and um it's it's incredible to see in person so anytime there's a show that she can be a part of she really needs to have things on walls and people walking around with it because otherwise you don't really get a sense of it you know kind of off topic but uh, well <laughs> Off topic, not really. Uh, so I was reading somewhere about the ugly sweaters, the ugly Christmas oh, sure. sweaters. I have like four of them in my closet and like I had no idea. Uh, but I guess you started that trend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Totally, totally guilty. And you know, it's it's really funny because like I've always been fascinated by stuff that looks like something that it's not. For example, um, I had a pair of Vans that I loved that uh -huh. were slip-ons, but they they had it printed to look like they had laces on them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, these are really cool because like you know, and I have them at school and I just slip them off and kids would be like, wait a minute. Aren't, those aren't real laces. No, they're not. <laughs> and I had a pair of swimming trunks that, that looked like they were jeans, but they were <laughs> swimming trunks. So, you know, so I've always loved stuff that looks like something, but it's not. Uh -huh. So I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to, to see if I could draw something that looked like it was actually a, you know, like a knit sweater. So I, I played around with it and I was like, oh, I could totally do that. So I, I did one and, and I brought it to Descendants and I said, hey guys, I got this crazy idea. And I was going, maybe they'll want to run with this. And so I, they had faith enough in me and said, okay, let's, let's give it a shot. And so the year that, the first year that we did that, which I think was 2011, yeah. The the whole city of Los Angeles had had run out of red sweatshirts because <laughs> the road was bought them all and printed on them. And right. that was I got one. that was their their single best selling piece of merchandise that they've ever done. Yeah, I and thought I was it was like, so cool when it first came out. I was like, Thank you. Shit. Like <laughs> Yeah, thank you. So I and that was me. And I was like, oh man, this was kind of cool. Like it really took off. And I have to give a lot of credit to descendants for saying, yeah, let's try this. Because I mean, it's a stupid idea. I mean, really, when you think about it. So it, it caught on like crazy. Yeah. And by the next Christmas, as it rolled around, like Motorhead's doing it, um, Slayer is doing it. And, <laughs> and I had plenty of people that worked in merch companies that were coming to me going, you know, we took that idea from you. Wow. And I said, yeah, I, I know you did. And, um, Yes. Which is, you know, it's, and it's, of course, like it's, it's a giant phenomenon sort of thing now. And I don't know whether it was just, it was, it was time, but for some reason that really kind of, it took off with people. And, um, you know, so we've, we've consistently been, been doing sweaters since 2011 and, you know, tried to get a little bit different with what we did and, um, you know, actually do, you know, the ones that are now, um, woven yeah. and, um, you know, but the printed one, I mean, there was just something so charming about, it looks like it's a sweater, but it's not. Right. Like, right. That was, that was kind that's, of that's the funny part. I mean, every Christmas yeah. I always wear one of them, you know, Thank you. just go grab Thank one. You, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's great too, because like, for whatever reason, people don't feel stupid about wearing them. Right, right. And that's like, 
That's awesome. Well, it's like it's a band, you know, so it's kind of yeah. okay. So <laughs> it is, you know, like and like we had done Descendants had also done this uh, this thing where we were um, it was for Riot Fest, and they were going to be playing, and they were like, okay, well, we need to do a shirt for that, and I said, okay, well, we're going to do one that's that's a, a green or not a green, an orange shirt, and it's going to be blue and orange into the Denver Bronco colors. Mm. And as a punker kid, like I have zero interest in sports, like any. <laughs> sports I, I don't even care that's why I'm a punker because like the, you know the sports kids want to beat me up so um so I was like okay well we'll do it on an orange shirt and it'll be there'll be a lot of predominant blue in there so like if I'm going to like a Broncos party I can wear this and it's still my punker thing and it's still my descendants thing so I don't feel like a total douche but <laughs> it's something that's kind of cool so like it's nice to have those things that you can wear in an appropriate circumstance, but it's still giving you band credibility. So I'm I'm all about that. It's like little <laughs> Easter eggs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> yeah. So another another question that I had, one of the main ones, of course, I mean, your artwork is known throughout the entire scene, but you're most known for Milo. And of course, yeah. you did not create the original Milo but no. you really made it your own so how did that happen like one minute here I am I'm Chris Sherry then bam I'm doing Milo and doing all the rad products. well you know I had been doing um artwork for for all which you know was Descendants with just a different singer and I had been doing that well and okay so let me back up a little bit so Descendants my favorite band um, they lose Milo, they get Dave Smalley, and now they're calling themselves All. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. And I remember at the time, I was doing a zine, and I had done an interview with Bill Stevenson, and he was like, we're just the same band, we just have a different singer, and we're playing totally different songs. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. It's the same band members. I, I love those guys. So, okay, so All's my new favorite band. So I was obsessed, obsessed with them. And I had um, done some artwork for a flyer for them, the band had seen it and said, hey, you know, we really like that. And I said, oh, cool. Well, wouldn't you really like it if I did a t-shirt for you? And they said, yeah, give it a shot. So I did something for them and they really liked it. They used it and I didn't stop. I just kept making stuff and sending it to them. And then pretty soon it was like they were asking me. But before it was just like me asking them. And then they kind of were like, hey, well, we want to do this. So when it turned out that, you know, Milo had written a bunch of songs and wanted to, to do a record as Descendants, it just, it was a natural progression. And Bill was just like, well, now we want you to do artwork for Descendants stuff. Is that okay? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll be all right with that. <laughs> so you know, then flash forward to, uh, to 2010. And after Bill had gotten finished with um, his, the first of his big surgeries, he was like, okay, well, I'm back and we're going to be playing these shows in Australia, which was like, oh my gosh, that, that's incredible. But first they, they picked up for, uh, I guess it was Devo had dropped out of, um, I think it was, it was Riot. No, it wasn't Riot Fest. Um, fun, fun, fun fest. So it was 2010. Um, Devo dropped out and they said, well, we're going to play, but we, we want to have like, you know, a new shirt or something. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll do that. So I did. And, you know, then I kind of like started really realizing each of these shows is unique because with Bill's health at that time, it was like, we're lucky that we've got him. So let's make every show special. Let's do something special for every show. And that was really where the idea of like doing shirts for each of the cities on the on the tour came from. It was like, 
well, they may not be around next year. You know, like something, heaven forbid, could happen to any one of them. And, you know, like I want to make sure that we're honoring that and kind of enjoying the fact that we are here and, and everybody's in good shape and they're playing better than they ever have before. Right. So why not celebrate each thing? And that, of course, kind of took off and became really kind of crazy because at this point now, I don't, we've done hundreds and hundreds yeah. of shows. Yeah. They're like baseball yeah. cards. That I know. People like trade and then they have like <laughs> I know. friends getting them. I know. Or try to get yeah. it. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. And um, I mean, I love the one you did recently. Mm -hmm. Like, well, the most recent one you did for Arizona. It was brilliant. I didn't get one. <laughs> Except the one that was the that was the the, the uh the state flag thing. Oh no. Okay, cactus, okay. There, yeah. there was a cactus. Yeah, yeah. yeah with cactus. Milo's head on so, it. <laughs> so right. how how if you are trying to make it so unique and special, how do you keep it fresh, you know, through this many years? It, so I know you do a lot of research, it's a, it sounds like, and yeah. you do a lot of trial and error, what works and what doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that we'll do is both myself and the band will contact people that we know from an area. Mm -hmm. So like, say, for example, um, Sayreville, New Jersey. I didn't know anything about Sayreville, New Jersey, but what I did know is that people called it Slayerville. So I was like, we got to do something like that's Slayer related. Nice. We didn't wind up doing that, but then we started talking to the people who, you know, like were from that area and they were like, oh no, you, you totally have to do like these worms because I can't remember what the connection, oh no, no, that was the mafia thing. So it's got Milo waking up, you know, in bed and there's a horse head in there with him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, it, it had all these old mafia connections and I was like, okay, that's that's funny, we can do that. So, you know, we always, you know, we'll talk to, because, you know, the guys in the band, you know, know people all throughout the world that they can go to and say, okay, you used to live in Albuquerque for five years, like, what is Albuquerque known for? Oh, the Al Cafe. Well, let's do something like that. So, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we'll do really aimed at people that live in those areas that'll say, oh no, what you really have to do is this. But then I also do a lot of research and the guys do research too and say, hey, why don't we try doing this? Like the gargoyles on, on um, I think it was, it wasn't UCLA. It was like Harvard or one of those places. And we did a Milo gargoyle based on the ones that were on the college campus. You know, and that was something wow. that people that went to the school said, hey, we know about this. How about that? So, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, like trying to figure out what's going to be right for a city. Well, and that's so authentic, just including different people in oh, yeah. the area. I mean, that's because somebody on the outside, there's only so much research can do, so... Right, right. Well, and there's some some of the shirts, you know, like we'll do. And if you're not from the area, you'll look at it, you'll go, I don't know what this is, or like why this has any significance. And, you know, my thought is always, well, it's not for you. You don't live there. So that shirt's not for you. It's for the people that live there. Right. I mean, it's it's honoring who they are and, and like what is, you know, uh, unique to their area. So, you know, I think that's always kind of cool. It, it always feels like a nice pat on the back to go, yeah, we know that, you know, like you guys have great barbecue here in, in St. Louis. So let's do a barbecue shirt. But that's much like the graphics or mm -hmm. punk rock itself. Like it's, it's meant for the people that get it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not really concerned if, you know, somebody in, in Germany is going, why did you have this on the Milo shirts? It doesn't make sense. Well, no, it doesn't because, you know, 
you don't live in Slayerville. Oh Sorry, my dude. gosh, that's amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that little bit recorded. <laughs> that great accent there, Chris. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, and really, that's what I should have been doing. I should have been doing cartoon voices, but I got stuck doing artwork. So that's okay. <laughs> so um, going back to shows, I saw one of your most recent posts was like, if you want to find me at a show, I'm typically up front and you're yeah. a blast smiling, having a great time. All of us, I like to think at this table here, feel the same way, um, but you get great access. So are Thank you, you. Are you um, doing these pictures with your phone or is it a DSLR? Do you get photo passes? What's the sitch? What's going on with that? Um, well, so, so usually I know people in the bands. So, you know, I'll just say, hey, give me a photo pass or whatever. Yeah. And um, and I also talk to the people, you know, who are working, you know, like if it's a big event or whatever, I'll go down on the floor and go, hey, look, I'm working for these guys. I do artwork for them. So I'm going to stay here when you kick everybody out. So after those four songs and you kick people out, I'm not going anywhere. So just want you to know that. They're like, uh, okay, do whatever you want. Gangster. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to use that when yeah. I get a photo pass next. Yeah. I won't, well, I won't. Part, of, part of it is like, you know, my wife always is like, well, you kind of go into teacher mode. And like, I can, you know, with teacher mode, I can kind of do more or less whatever. I mean, I can walk into places and they'll just go, he looks like he belongs here. Just let him go. So a lot of times it's just that being bold and just going, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to do this because, you know, I'd like to. Um, and I just do. Um, and most of the time it's just, it's my, my little phone that I'm just taking pictures with. Um, if it's got good lighting and I'm up close, you know, I don't have to worry about flashes or anything. So I think more than anything, it's just having the opportunity. And it's not that I'm, you know, like really very gifted with photography. I just have opportunities that a lot of other people don't have. So I'm able to get things that, you know, maybe some people are unable to do. It's great. Well, and you have to use composition with with that too. So sure. it just translates over. So right, right. And a lot of times, you know, um, I use that stuff as as research, you know, like so for example, Teenage Bottle Rocket, I had done a, a cover for them on New Noise magazine. And all of the instruments and everything, that's their instruments. You know, Cody gets custom made guitars. So the guitar that he's playing, that's his guitar. You know, it, it looks exactly like his guitar because I took a lot of photographs of him playing. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing is what he would be playing on stage. It's not like, oh, I just did some generic guitar that I, I really don't even know what it is. Um, and again, I'm not a musician, but I do have a lot of respect for um, the instruments that people are using and making sure if I'm using those in an art piece that it looks accurate. I mean, it looks like that's what the band looks like. That's what they play. All right, let's talk about, um, I, I might have heard through the grapevine that you like horror movies. Is there a oh, yeah. horror movie that you have? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. There, oh. There's a bunch, actually. Um, <laughs> so so Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part yeah. 2 is, is probably, like, in my top five films of all time. Like, absolutely adore that film. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. I can't even count the amount of times I've seen Rosemary's Baby. Um, <laughs> Those are two of my like all time favorites, but I'll watch virtually anything if it's not like heavily CGI'd. So like stuff from like the, the 70s and the 80s, even into the early 90s, I love horror movies. Um, you know, just, and I think about them like, you know, they're, they're just like a visual roller coaster. Yeah. You know, it's the same sort of thing. Um, I just can't get enough of them. That's great. So do you think, so do you like more, like the campier stuff type horror movies than realistic 
ones or yeah well yeah because like i mean well realistic none of them are realistic <laughs> like satan's baby Wait, come what? on like what that doesn't that's happen. not real chris what? So, so yeah i i love like i have a deep appreciation for campy stuff um but but also like really like crazy psychological stuff like for yeah. example the witch i thought the witch was just insanely great and really very disturbing it was it was a very disturbing film um and that's kind of up there really high too and there's nothing silly or campy about it it was it was a very seriously done film but you know then of course texas chainsaw massacre too absolutely ridiculous you know motel hell totally ridiculous right. but i love that movie too you know yeah. tourist trap totally terrible film but i love it the b flicks are great so yeah. oh they are so they how do you are. feel about like cgi in movies and now that it's i don't know i kind of missed how everyone had to figure out with making yeah. props and yeah. and all like yeah. the animatronics and puppetry i mean don't get me wrong because as somebody that has worked both in film photography and digital photography, I appreciate Embrace the technology, which it sounds like you do too, because you, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, you do that with a lot of your block portrait work, correct? Yeah, although that is all hand-drawn. Oh, okay, wow. That's yeah, that everything precise. is, that's all hand-drawn. Did you do any of your work based digitally at all, or is it all just by hand? Well, it's all by hand, but I'll go through and color things with photoshop okay. but it's all done by hand so like i never sit down with um with like an ipad and you know create a piece using just an ipad i don't do that at all and not, you know not that i'm knocking that i sure. just don't um you know and uh i i think much like digital art and and cgi things that are included in films there's a slickness to it that can you re you really kind of pick up on it on a really like low level and when it's overly slick and it's overly produced it there's just something that just doesn't sit right mm -hmm. for me um so I, I don't know jerry dammers um who is the the keyboard player for the specials jerry dammers created like the whole look of two-tone records and i remember reading in an interview that every checkerboard that he did on two tones records was done by hand Oh. So there were little idiosyncrasies. So like not all of the squares are perfect mm -hmm. and there's little blobs and stuff like that. And he was like, I do that because I want people to know that a human created this and that it has a real human side to it. So I keep that in, in the back of my mind. And, and I always like to have a certain amount of roughness built into something that was done by hand. And, and so for me, I think that's a lot of why I like doing it hand instead of all just digital because the digitalness it, it gets a little too cleaned up and it looks a little too processed a little too gimmicky a lot of times and i'm just not interested in that you need the human aspect to it like mm -hmm. it's wabi-sabi the perfection yeah and the imperfection yes. right yes exactly that's great that's great plus i don't want to offend the gods and have them smite me yeah you know? <laughs> exactly so there's that too exactly that's awesome so um as far going back to your family life, I mean, you do so much and you balance your time very well. Um, your your family is number one, which is great, um, and is definitely I know all of us feel the same way. Uh, how do you find time to balance that and knowing when you need to put your art life on hold and when you need to you know spend more time at home? 
Well, a lot of times, um, you know, it's it's very direct. You know, my son walks into the living room and says, let's watch a movie. <laughs> and I go, great. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't care where I am, I'll stop and go, okay, let's do that now. Because ultimately, him and my wife are going to be far more important than anything else that I'm working on. You know, it's like, great that I'm, I'm working on this piece for, you know, whoever, but they are always number one. So if, if they are very direct and they say, hey, let's stop right now. We need to watch something. Great. We'll stop. We'll watch something. Hey, let's stop. We need to play some Yahtzee. Okay, let's stop. We need to go get dinner. Then I always, I always do that. Um, you know, and I constantly am checking in with my son mainly because, you know, my wife and I can work both very independently for, you know, the entire day and not think twice about it. So we're constantly checking in with my son going, hey, you know, do, do you feel like we need to do something? And so he and I do these things, dad and lad days, where it's just like him and me, and we'll go out and we'll be gone for the majority of the day just doing stuff that he wants to do. And, um, you know, if, if we're looking for, you know, collectible toys, or if he wants to go someplace or see a movie or do whatever, it's the two of us just doing that. And then my wife can work. And then when we get home, she stops and then we all do stuff together. So for me, it's always... If, if there is a need and somebody is saying, hey, can you stop? Yes, I can. And I do. Because if they're not happy, then I'm not happy with any of the work that I'm doing. Like none of it matters if they're not happy. Right. That's great. Um, that's, I think that's deep. great advice that yeah. all of us can translate into our lives. Yeah. I know one constant topic that Drea has mentioned is mm -hmm. the balance of social media and digitized communications. Yeah. So you're really great on your social media marketing. Um, do you have a specific strategy that you go with? <laughs> put stuff out. Just put it out there. Yeah. Cause I do stuff. <laughs> um, she, Dre gets on me cause I'm like a hoarder of photos. I have so many photos, but I never share them. And so oh, yeah. they're like, making me a pact so listeners <laughs> hold me accountable if I'm not posting next week yeah but <laughs> so you just put like once a day or it's just like when you know just often as as much as you know, as I, I try to do things about once a day, and I, I usually do unless I'm super busy. So um, for example, I have this weird project that I do every summer. And I, I do some work for an independent uh, politician magazine in Sacramento. And they publish an issue of the 100 most influential non-elected political officials in California. So it's this really very long title. But they have this list. And it's, it's all for everybody that they have that's included in this top 100, I do a portrait of them. Oh, and wow. it's typically like a, a very short turnaround time. And when I'm given that, it's like, okay, I have to go and I have to do that. So that was last week. And that, that was, you know, doing 15 Sharpie portraits, you know, each day. And wow. there wasn't much posting because it was like, nope, kind of got to do that. I can't really be, you know, doing other things. Or if, you know, like descendants go, hey, it's, it's Friday and by Monday we need to have four new t-shirts designs. Okay, I'm not posting anything because I've got a lot of other work to do. So when I'm typically quiet, I'm busy. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, is your son into punk rock? Is he into the same kind of music as you and your wife? Yeah, you know, a little bit. It's funny because, you know, he um, he is able to share all of my 
my vast music that I have, you know, online, he, he has access to my library. And so he'll go through and just like, you know, just plunder whatever he wants to listen to. And he, he very much likes things from the eighties. And then that's really not me, you know, pushing that on him. It's just, he's kind of come to that on his own. Um, so we have a lot of similar music tastes. He'll occasionally go, Hey, you know, I really like the English beat. They're playing with Rancid. Can you take me? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, I love the Aquabats. Can we go? Yes, we can. You know, he he doesn't always want to do that, and certainly he he doesn't have the patience for going to a festival or thing like that. But um, he he very much loves a lot of the same music that I do too. And it's funny because like you know when I'm when I'm like home doing stuff, if I hear him walking around singing, and I'm like wait, that's a really obscure talking head song. It's like, I know I didn't play it for him. And I kind of feel like, man, I did something right. Like I've exposed <laughs> my child to really weird music that he's discovering now on his own. And, um, and I think that's really pretty cool. Not to, you know, bash anything that's, you know, modern or anything like that. He just doesn't have a whole lot of time or interest in it. He, he very much sees himself as like a child of the 80s, even though he's not, you know, it's really, <laughs> it's, it's odd. Is he an artist too? Is he takes a lot of photographs. Um, so he he has a, a really very vast um, toy collection, and he positions his figures and stuff in in very unusual ways and in different settings and things like that, and takes photographs of them. And you know, we'll occasionally get those printed out as you know pieces. Um, so he does a lot of photography, and he right now he's in in Liverpool, England, and uh, he brought a bunch of his guys with him that he wants to take pictures of throughout Liverpool. So it's like. Yeah, he's very, very active in that end of things, but his is more um, photography than anything else. Great. And going back to you always trying to find ways to be artistic, do you have a specific art space? Do you have things set up just so you can walk in and <laughs> it's ready to go? Or This is it. So nice. like what you, what you can't see is I'm sitting right now at a, at a table and um, it's, it's in the corner of our living room. Um, so if there's things going on in the living room, I'm still here. I'm still a part of it. Um, but it's just this little core. I don't need much room. And then when I start working on paintings and things like that, I move over to the dining room table. I just, you know, put down a tarp and I start painting on the dining room table. So I'm right in the middle of every, I don't have a specific, you know, like space outside of the house. It is the house. Okay. So when you walk in our front door, like one of the first things you see is my table, where I work and I don't need much space because most of the stuff I do is on eight and a half by 11, you know, pieces of computer paper. So it's, it's small. I mean, I have like this little station where I've got my music and a lot of lights and uh, a light box and pens. Nice. It's great. Um, so I have a question that I ask every one of our guests. So uh -huh. Bear with me. I, I missed it last episode and I got called out. So you got to run with us. So okay. Chris, if you were a burrito, <laughs> what type of burrito would you be? Chicken and rice. Nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just a chicken and rice burrito. I like my main diet is chicken and rice. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a burrito. It could be Indian food. It could be, huh. you know, Afghanistani food. It doesn't make any difference. Rice and chicken. Nice. So a chicken and rice burrito, maybe some beans in there, um, black beans, but um, <laughs> That that's it. I mean, and I get that a lot. I I eat a lot of chicken and a lot of rice. That's great. That's great. <laughs> um, couple more questions before we wrap it up here. 
Is there a song that you say that kind of wraps up what type of artist that you are? I don't know about artist, um, but um, but but person maybe. Um, you know, the Descendants song, I'm the One, there's a lot of people that, you know, like boyfriend, girlfriend, they go, oh, that's about you. Well, that song is about me. That was written about me. Oh. <laughs> like me. So that's one that I go, oh, that's kind of a special song because that's, it was written about and it was so cute because um you know when carl bass player for descendants wrote that he actually wrote it for for all and you know his his wife at the time claire said hey did you did you play chris the song i said no i, I don't know what you're talking about so carl said here i want you to listen to this so he played it for me you know when they recorded it originally for all and um and i i listened and and he goes that's you and I went, what are you talking about? And so at the time, I was, I, I, I was like the nice boyfriend, or not boyfriend, but kind of like Ducky from Pretty in Pink. Yes! That, you know, was kind of hanging around. Why she didn't choose him. Sorry. Right, right. She's an idiot. So, um, <laughs> you wore creepers. So that, come on. That was, uh, yeah, I know. White creepers, come on. So <laughs> that, that was very much kind of like how I was in a lot of, you know, like friend relationships. And I kind of like served that position. And, um, but I had, I had girls that kind of took advantage of that. And I had been complaining about it a few weeks before. And afterwards, Carl went home and wrote, I'm the one. And wow. he was like, it was based on us sitting around and you complaining about that. And he said, but <laughs> it, it kind of became, it became more than that because there's a lot of people that do relate to that. So I opened it up and made it more broad and, and had it so that it was something that a lot of people could hear and go, Hey, I know exactly what that is, but that was written about me. So it was, wow. it, that song always is like one of those ones that I just go, okay, that kind of says a lot right there. Dang. Wow. So, I'm not going to lie. When you first said that to me, I was like, yeah, no, I get it. It's about me too, Chris. Yeah, no, it literally is. Yeah. It was literally written after wow. me complaining at Denny's about like my bad luck with girls. Uh. So, and, and on top of that, Carl was like, so we're going to put it on this new record and hopefully that means like some girl's going to hear that. And then I'm going to tell her that, you know, it was written about you and maybe that's going to work for you. <laughs> and I was like, cool. So it wasn't written to fix me up, but it kind of seemed like it might. Nice. So <laughs> <laughs> you went with it. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, it was literally uh, about me. So I always look at that as like, that's kind of like a signature song that I go, okay, you want me? There you go. Um, so like, but I, I would say, like, as far as, like, musically, something that, that kind of plays more along to, like, what I do artistically, well, obviously, Descendants, I, rather than, like, a song or anything, just, like, band, Descendants, Seven Seconds, Big Boys, those are probably the three bands that I think describe me best, and um, if anybody's familiar with those bands, hearing them goes, oh, yeah, okay, I can see a lot of Chris in those bands. So going back to I'm the one, sorry to go back there. and Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> but what's that like to be hearing hundreds of people singing a song that was written it's great. after you? <laughs> it's great. You know, the, the cute thing is, is that, you know, I, I don't typically mention that. I don't know how it came up, but I guess you asked something that was related to it. But, <laughs> but not, you know, not everybody before this knew anything about that. And so it was really cute when they, they'd be playing it. And of course, you know, people were singing along. Um, Stefan's wife, Natalie, 
oftentimes as soon as they start it will kind of like give me a little look because I'm usually in the front taking pictures and she'll kind of give me like a little look like little girl <laughs> 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 and that's kind of cute or you know people that do know I'll kind of you know like tap me on the back and I'm like yeah I know I know um <laughs> I'm the one and, and that's girl that's I'm the one cool. no nobody yeah I'm the one. <laughs> so like that and like five dollars will get me a cup of coffee there but, you, you go. know whatever there you go the good the good coffee right yeah <laughs> extra yeah. straight sludgy coffee i hope so <laughs> so i mean was that an opening line when you met your wife hi i'm chris cherry by the way i'm, I'm the, the one, one. <laughs> <laughs> and and kind of the best part about it is like she at the time that would not have made like an impression on her as far as like oh wow good for you. and that was one of the things that i liked so much when we first met is she wasn't she wasn't easily impressed by by things like that that you know maybe a lot of other people would be she would just kind of take it in stride and be like oh that's kind of cool uh so where are we going to have dinner you know like and it, it really didn't make a whole lot of difference um to her and i liked that a lot it yeah. was like okay she she's really interested in things on a deeper level that might be something that like superficially would have somebody go ooh and she didn't she was just kind of like oh that's kind of cool oh all right um so hey do you want to go out with my parents and me oh okay sure that's great that's awesome so my final question here is for going back to our topics about those that are struggling to find their creative voice um one of the things i said before we broke broke uh and spoke with you was I feel that anybody that's listening has like an artistic voice. There's, there's an artistic mm -hmm. voice that's inside of everyone. And I know you feel passionately about that. And we somewhere along the lines to quote you lose that. What, what kind of advice do you have for those listeners that need to get back in touch to that? Stop being worried about what other people think about you and do what is best for you. Um, I think the number one killer of creativity is how you're going to be perceived by others. And so I see it all the time with like high school students. So in my beginning drama classes, I'll, I'll tell a kid, okay, well, I, you're going to be a duck now. And they'll just, they're high schoolers and they'll go, I don't know what a duck sounds like. Like, I've never seen, what's a duck? And I'm like, if you were two years old and I said, be a duck, kid would be down on the ground, quacking, strutting around, and they would be completely a duck. You get to high school and suddenly you're worried about how other people perceive you and you stop being creative. I mean, that's really where it comes from. And, you know, it's, it's that fear of looking foolish in front of others or taking chances because not everything is going to work out. And it doesn't have to. I don't know where we got um, to a place in this world where we have to feel like we have to be successful at everything and everything needs to be a win. Who cares? Make mistakes, like have things go horribly wrong and learn from that. But don't be worried about how other people are going to view that. Just do it. And like, if I'm really interested in trying something, I'll try it. And the only person that's going to stop me is me. It's not because I'm, I'm worried that this person's going to think I look stupid doing it. I'm going to do it anyway. So, um, you know, I think if people are, are a little bit more hesitant about things, do it for themselves. If there's something that, that brings you joy and doesn't cause any pain or hurt to other people, you should probably be doing that. You know, it doesn't make any sense that you wouldn't be. Um, you know, if, if you go, yeah, but killing people is what I really enjoy. Okay, that's hurting other people. <laughs> Don't do that. But, you know, those other things that, that aren't hurting anybody and that they could be a good way for people to, I don't know, maybe just 
be less uptight, do it. You know, there's, there's nothing stopping you. And I think people just think of the reasons why they shouldn't do something instead of just think about, you know, like what could be if you do it. Maybe it'll be great. Who knows? Just some amazing advice from Chris Sherry, you guys. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, Chris, real quick. Hey, and my kids get this for free every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, just real quick here, go ahead and plug your, your info where people can find your artwork and, and your social media. Okay. Um, on, on Instagram, uh, I have a page, Chris Sherry. And, um, then on Facebook, I don't use Facebook as much anymore, but I have a professional page that's just Chris Sherry there too. Uh, and that's really, you know, kind of like what I do. I, I use Instagram a lot more. Um, I'm not really interested so much in like conversations as I am like visual stimulus. So like, I'm not going to have like a political debate with somebody on Facebook, but I am going to put up a picture of something that I drew that I thought was kind of cool that somebody might like to see. And I'll put that up. Um, so, you know, I don't use Facebook all that often, but Instagram all the time, all the time. That's great. great. And as you've as you've proved, you're able to connect with many of the people you've built business bridgeways through social media. So, oh yeah, all those fans out there, tag Chris Sherry, give him show him some support. And I want to sincerely thank you on yeah. behalf of the Sound Sisters for talking with us, and also all the advice, all the advice, <laughs> and just your. I hope it wasn't too heavy handed. No, it's <laughs> oh, no. great. No, it's great. I mean, that's our main focus is to try to you know, inspire other people to reach out to their authentic self because art music can really change the world. We say it often, but uh, thank you so much for your um, artistic voice in the music revolution. We appreciate everything. Well, and thank you. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. Um, you know, I don't do these very often, so it's nice. Great. Awesome. Thanks so much. Wow. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much to Chris Sherry for coming on to the Sound Sister podcast. That was amazing. I'm inspired. I why am I talking? I need, need to go, go yeah. take some pictures, dude. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Some post. Art. Let's right go. Now. Tomorrow morning, I better see a post. Oh shit! Yeah. I'm just calling real. you out. You got to do it now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Remember to head over to our website, SoundSistersAZ.com, to view and listen to previous podcasts. Go to Facebook and like us. Instagram to follow us at sound sisters az and just a little slip in here make sure you follow uh grave sisters on instagram at grave underscore sisters az yes <laughs> lots of creeptastic up in there i cannot wait for our first episode to air oh man so good it's, it's the creepy sister of the sound sisters oh yeah podcast. the spooky sister <laughs> spooky right. want to listen to us on an app make sure you've Tune in on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all that good stuff. As always, thank you guys for all your support. It means everything to us. We love you. We see the numbers. They're see. rolling in. See? See? see. And I freak out every time. <laughs> all right. On that note, this is your host, Dre Adal, signing off with my lovely ladies. Meow, meow. Reminding you to keep your eyes on the prize and always do your best. Bye. Bye.